Welcome to Wednesdays Together. We're so glad that you've joined us tonight. It's good to have some people here in the house with me. I get tired of preaching by myself on Wednesdays night, so y'all are going to have to work hard for your seats here tonight to be, <laughs> to be here with us. We pray that you're having a great week and that tonight's service will just refresh you, uplift you, and give you everything that you need in God. Amen? Well, I will tell you, I look so forward to this time. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to worship together with each one of you every week. And I'm grateful for the tireless efforts of our dream teamers. Can somebody say amen? I'm so grateful for every person who serves and works in God's kingdom here at the sanctuary, including our production team and our worship team. I'm so grateful for the faithfulness. Y'all can clap for yourselves. It's good. <laughs> you know, I think most kids who grew up in church, um, I think at some point in their lives, they had this desire to learn an instrument, right, so that they could be on the worship team, right? I think that's probably like a goal that most of them had. And I am so grateful for that because I think that there's nothing better than getting young people involved in serving in the house of God from an early age so that they can learn that their talents and their gifts are given by God and they can give them back to his kingdom. And so I would say that Jude was really no different in that regard. And I did get his permission to share this story, just so that you all know. I, we share no stories without his permission because, you know, he's 11 now. And so uh, we, we owe him that courtesy. But um, Jude was really no different than other kiddos in that regard um, in terms of wanting to be part of the worship team, except, except that his instrument of choice, it was a little unique. Um, since Jude was three years old, he was pretty determined, pretty adamant that he was going to play in the worship band, and in the worship band, he wanted to play the tuba. The tuba, that has been um, the joy of his heart. And so as a three-year-old, we tried to explain, honey, you know, there are other instruments that would be a better fit for you right now, like for your size. And he said, no, Mom, I'll grow into it. And, I mean, he clearly has proven that to be true. Um, and, and then we tried to say, hey, bud, you know, there are other instruments that you could play that might be a better fit for the worship band, right? They might blend in a little bit better than the tuba. And he's like, no, Mama. The, 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 the worship team, the worship band really, really needs a tuba. Now, you're hearing this and you're probably thinking, how on earth did this three-year-old kiddo have this obsession with a tuba? But, you know, any parent in this room, any aunties, any babysitters uh, who are listening, watching online, you probably already know why he loved that tuba. You probably already know why. It's because he loved veggie tails. That is right, my friends. He loved veggie tails. And Larry the Cucumber and his tuba are veggie tail staples of legendary status for sure. <laughs> and there's another aspect of veggie tails that to me is equally memorable, and that is, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen any of their episodes, you know that um, at the end of every episode, Larry tells all the kids and all the adults who are listening, uh, he, says, he says to all of us, and remember, 
God made you special and he loves you very much. All right, I got some folks, I've got some disciples in the house. Uh, <laughs> and so tonight, you know, if I could borrow, if I could, if I could um, elaborate a little bit on um, the great wisdom of Larry the Cucumber, I want each person under the sound of my voice to know that God made you special. He loves you very much, and he has a unique purpose for you. I wonder if we can give my hand clap of praise right here in the house tonight. We are so grateful you're here to join us tonight as we continue this series entitled The Church on Mission. And what I'm going to share with you tonight specifically is entitled Gifted to Lead. Gifted to lead. See, we've heard thus far in this series about how we're called to use our time and how we're called to use our talents for God's kingdom. And so tonight, I'd like to expound a little bit on dedicating our talents and our abilities back to God. And it all goes back to that truth that we are uniquely made with God's purpose you are uniquely made with God's purpose stamped upon you. When you were in the womb, he knew you. He had a purpose for you. He called you. You were designed for greatness in his kingdom. And he has gifted you to serve and to lead. Why doesn't somebody put that in the chat right now? He's gifted me. Type that in the chat. Say that to your neighbor. He's gifted me. Now, before we leave here tonight, before we're done, somebody's going to believe that. Somebody's going to believe that you are gifted for his purpose. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. It says, God has given each, each of you a gift. It doesn't say God has given some of you. It doesn't say God has given one of you. It doesn't say God has given the book of Acts church from the beginning of Acts until Acts 28 a gift. No, 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 my friends. God has given each one of us and that continues today. No one is excluded. You have a gift. Some of us have more than one gift, but God has gifted each one of us to do great things in his kingdom. And here's, here's, here's where we're going tonight. I'm going to just give you the high spots right here. Now is the time to use those gifts to serve people. Amen. There's no better time. There's no better time than right now to use those gifts to serve people. Now is the time to be a good manager, a good steward, as we've heard, of the gifts that God has given. Now is the time to start being a leader in the church. What, did I lose some of you? right there. Now is the time to start being a leader in the church. What? You mean me? Yes, you. I mean everybody under the sound of, of my voice. Why don't you type in the chat, she's talking to me. Even me, even me. I'm talking to every one of you. Why don't you, why don't you let me ask you this question? How does it feel? Isn't it just the most amazing feeling when you know that there's some good that you've done? to bless somebody else, right? Um, maybe there's a situation, I'm thinking like maybe you've got a brand new coworker at work, okay? And they're walking in, wide-eyed, 
feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, you know this like the back of your hand because this is what you do all the time, right? But they're feeling so overwhelmed. But because not only you had the skill, but you had the heart to come alongside and lock arms with somebody and say, hey, let me, could, if, if it's okay with you, could I show you? I can, I can help you through this. And then you instantly see that stress dial down. You see that relief come up on that person's face. Isn't that an amazing feeling to know that you have something valuable inside you that you can contribute to making a positive difference for somebody? Does anybody else love that feeling? I absolutely love that feeling. And, and I know that really the, the root of that is that the truth behind that is that God has put something in me. God has put something in you, and he will use that to bless others. Wherever you are, it, it doesn't have to be confined in, in the four walls of the church. When you're out um, in your career, in the community, when you're out shopping, it doesn't matter. God can use you anywhere. And he certainly can use your gifts to bless the church. Amen? He certainly can do that. You see, leading isn't about being good enough. I mean, I have to give that disclaimer. I just feel like I have to say that. Um, leading is not about being good enough for God to use you. And here's, and I know I'm stretching our thinking a little bit, but here's, here's the truth behind that. Um, because leading is not about you. I mean, it's really not. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble. Uh, I, I'm trying to let you off the hook a little bit here. Of course, we want to live godly, holy lives as unto God, and we want to live ways that, in ways that please him. But my dear brother, my dear sister, my dear friend, if you are waiting until you are good enough to serve, you, you, you're going to be waiting a long time. I mean, you're going to be waiting because we are never qualified in and of ourselves. If there's any goodness that comes from God. And the great news is that it's not about you. It's not about me, but it's about letting God work through you. But here's what happens when we start talking about gifts. Now, I mean, I'm just grateful for those of you who are still watching online because some of you, when I said now's the time to be a leader in church, some folks click, I'm gone. I'm going to have a heart attack. I have to run from that. You know, why? <laughs> Uh, why do we do that? Like when we hear about gifts and we hear about leadership, many of us, like we get cold feet, we put on the brakes and I, I'm, and I get it. I understand you may be thinking I'm not ready yet. And listen, I'm going to tell you most mornings I look in the mirror and I think, Lord, I am not ready. I am not ready <laughs> for, for what you have, for what you're doing. And, um, and that's a good thing to have a spirit of humility. It really is a great thing to have a spirit of humility. Some of us may even be thinking, well, when I really get my act together, then I can do something. And folks, here's, here's the truth of the matter. God is always going to be working on you. God is always going to be working on me. And so I just want to encourage you to get busy. To get busy, don't wait for perfection. Don't wait until you've got it all together. It's the same. You know what? Serving the Lord is just like coming to the Lord. I mean, because actually, if you come to the Lord, you're going to, you're going to want to love others. You're going to want to obey his commands. You're going to want to follow that. But we don't wait until we're perfect to get saved, right? So we certainly shouldn't wait until we're perfect to serve. It's the same kind of truth. Now, when I said it's time to start being a leader, some of you immediately started just ticking through the list, like this loop started running through your mind of all the reasons that you aren't qualified to serve. Maybe, all, maybe things that you've done that could potentially disqualify you from serving. 
and all the reasons, well, I'm not this person, I'm not that person, I don't have this skill, I don't have that. Um, and here's, here's what I'd like to let you know. If that was your auto response, I get it, I understand. I, I really do. But what I want you to know is that if that's kind of what you automatically go to in your mind, it's probably because you have a different definition of leadership than we do. That's probably the reason why. Because you see at the sanctuary church, leadership in the church is not just being a pastor or being a community leader or leading a small group. It's All of those are great. I'm so grateful that we have leaders that are leading a ministry or a group or, or something along those lines. But, but that's, not, that's not the totality of leadership, okay? That, doesn't, that does not encompass all of leadership. Instead, at the sanctuary, we believe that leadership is influence. We believe that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And every single person influences others to some degree. Now, what we're called to do as disciples is to use that influence wisely. We are called as disciples to use that influence in a way that God will receive glory. I'm talking about in the house of God specifically, helping to create an experience so that when people come, it's easier for them to come to God. It's easier for them to feel good about being at church. It's easier for them to worship with other people. And you see, here's a truth that we, we may forget. We know, but we may forget. Leadership is not dependent upon titles or positions. It's, it's really not. Leadership is dependent upon people discovering their gifts and their passions and then using those gifts and passions to make a difference in the lives of others. We all have influence. Somebody say all. Somebody say, I have influence. Why don't you type that in the chat? I have influence. And we all can be leaders. And so maybe you're hearing all this and you're like, oh, you know, is she going to get onto something else tonight? I mean, I'm going to try, but I really need you to get this before I move on. So I feel like I'm going to help us here. I think I got something. I think I got something that, that, might, that might help those of us that are still struggling to just take this truth because we've got to build on that, okay? So if you're, if you're he- hearing this tonight and you have low self-esteem and you're just convinced, like your, your, your self-confidence is not where it needs to be, and I will, I will just, as a, as a rabbit trail, this is for free, um, that's the problem because it's self-confidence. It's got to be God confidence. Okay, so now I'm going to get back to what I'm trying to say. So if your confidence level makes you feel like, hey, I, I'm never going to be good enough to be a leader or I'm never going to be smart enough, skilled enough, talented enough, pretty enough, whatever the things you think are disqualifying you, keeping you from leading, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you tonight because I'm going to take you to the pages of Scripture to see some examples that would prove that theory wrong, like in a major way. You see, we can take heart that in the Bible, God never used the most talented people. And he certainly didn't use the ones that had it all together. I mean, he did not chase after the perfect people, (laughs) the seemingly perfect people. In fact, in fact, it seems like God went after the biggest mess he could find. I mean, it really does. God went after the biggest mess he could find. And, you know, we may think, well, Lord, why? 
I don't know, because then everybody would know, well, wow, God really did that work. (laughs) Because we know this guy, and we know he didn't have it in him, or we know this girl, and we know that what, what God did, I mean, that was absolutely God. I think it's like he said, let's see. Um, I need someone to lead my people out of Egyptian slavery. So I think I'm going to use a stuttering murderer. Yeah, that's it. Moses, a stuttering murderer. You're the one I want to use. Okay, good. Now I I need to find someone to, to really be that foundational lead apostle in the New Testament to just kind of set the stage for, uh, for, for really what, what the New Testament church would be. Oh, okay, great. Yes, the, the loud one, the brash one, the abrasive one. <laughs> that one who denied me three times, Peter. Okay, good. Come on, Peter. You're, you're the one I want to use. Okay, good. Now that we've got those, those major people selected, you know, um, I, I really want to make sure that I choose the right person to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, it's, it's got to be the right person. And by the way, I, I'm going to want you to write the majority of the New Testament. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Saul, murderer of Christians. Yeah, you know what? Saul. Um, but Saul, I'm, I'm going to have to change your name. <laughs> I'm going to have to change your name because I'm going to do such a work in you that people are not going to recognize you. Actually, they're going to think that you're faking. They're going to think that you're coming in trying to infiltrate and kill more Christians because the work that I'm doing in you, no one could imagine. Now, now here's, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make, folks. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how you're struggling to stay afloat spiritually right now. We're living in tough times. We know that. But your God is not finished with you. And your God has a call on your life. And your God has great things for you. I wonder if we could just give my hand a praise right now for that. You know, if we think about the example of Moses, it's pretty clear that he did not have a really high view of himself <laughs> by the time God got to him um, when he was there in the wilderness. You see, Moses was a Hebrew. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh, though, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses killed a man in his anger. Not a great resume builder I, in, in normal life, but apparently for God to use you, it, apparently, I don't know, it grabbed his attention. So he killed a man. And then he had to run for his life. And so then he ended up 40 years, 40 years in the desert as a shepherd in the wilderness out there. Um, So one day, (laughs) one destiny-making day, God showed up in a burning bush. And he commissioned Moses to lead his children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 said, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, like, I'm, I'm standing here, and when I read that, I kind of just want to know. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, God came to him, and immediately he was like, No, Lord, wrong person. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be the sign that I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And folks, I, I, could, I could sum up the entirety of Moses' story with that one phrase, 
God said, certainly I will be with you. I mean, that's it. That's the story. That's the reason. That's the reason Moses was able to accomplish. Because what he's saying to Moses is, Moses, it doesn't really matter how you feel about yourself. It doesn't really matter what you think. Because I am with you and I am enough. Moses knew his flaws. We, we, and I'll say this. Actually, um, it's not a bad thing to know your flaws. (laughs) There are worse things like not knowing your flaws. I mean, there are worse things. So it's not a bad thing to, to know your faults and your failures, but it is a terrible thing to dwell on them. It is a pitiful. (laughs) It's a pitiful thing to dwell on them. And so that's kind of what Moses does. He gives four excuses to God. We see in that passage, and if you keep, keep reading in the next chapter, and these excuses I think are very relevant to us today. His first excuse is, who am I? Who am I? And this screams insecurity. This screams insecurity. God's response was to get Moses not to measure himself as how he saw himself, okay? But to walk in the calling as God saw him, okay? That was the difference, to turn his eyes off of himself, to turn his eyes on the Lord. And when you put your eyes on God, when you fix your eyes on God, you don't have time for the distractions. You don't have time for for your own faults and failures to trip you up because you are busy reaching and growing and trying to become all that he's called you to be. And so God called Moses because he knew that he, through his power, that Moses could accomplish what he called him to do. The lesson for us is to try not to think about your life situation through your limited lens but you need to take those blinders off. Spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Let him love on you. Let him build you up. And you can walk out of that prayer closet strong and bold, and you can accomplish whatever God calls you to do. Because if God calls you to it, he will empower you to do it. Come on, somebody. If God calls you to it, he will empower you to do it. You see, my sense of security cannot be in myself but it's got to be in the God who called me, the God who promised me, the God who is equipping me. Now, Moses' next objection we find in chapter 4, he responds, I mean, and and there's a small response here from God, but if you read it, like, he, he tells them a lot, a lot of detail. And I feel like Moses in this scenario is, have you ever talked to somebody and you're having a conversation with them, and you know all they're doing is standing there just waiting for you to stop. Like they heard your first line, so they heard that, and they already formulated in their mind their response. And you kind of get, you're just giving them this kind of whole long explanation, but they already made their decision at the first thing you said, and they're just waiting for you to stop and take a breath so then they can say back, but no, no. Okay, like that's Moses. I mean, like God is speaking from a burning bush. And Moses is already formulated in his mind, nope, not today, not tomorrow, not any day, God. And I have all of my reasons down pat. I mean, you can give me all of your promises. I have my reasons, otherwise known as excuses. So his, his second excuse was suppose they. And suppose they 
reflects feelings of fear. And so he is saying, what if the people laugh? What if they mock me? What if they don't accept me? And folks, here's what I would say. Some of us keep ourselves from God's very best in our lives because we're always, always, always thinking about what others think about us. Um, <laughs> and and I, I, I don't want this to, to sound a little harsh. It might. Um, but folks, first of all, other people aren't always thinking about you. I mean, they're just not. Like, like... I've, I've already said this, but it's not about you. You know, I said it's about God. But even like, like life is not only about you. Many times we're thinking, if I step out and do something, what will so-and-so think? So-and-so's probably living her life, you know, and, and maybe trying to live her best life or maybe not trying to live her best life. And why does it matter? Because so-and-so's opinion should never matter more than God. And so-and-so's opinion should ne- see, I See, I got in trouble last time because I said negative somebody's name. And I'm not going to do that. So it's just going to be so-and-so tonight. I'm playing it safe. I am, I am being safe. We let fear of people's opinions hold us back. And so we don't step out. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Remember, God says, I will certainly be with you. You see, my life, it can't be lived in a way trying to impress somebody or trying to prove something to somebody. We've got to live in such a way that says, God, I'm just going for it. I am just going for it, and I'm going for it for you. Not for me, not for any glory, because when I fall on my face, I'm not going to be feeling great about that, but I know that you're going to redeem that situation and you will receive glory through my obedience. And here's what I'll, here, here's what I'll say about fear. If you're going to fear something, why don't you fear God? I mean, if you're going to fear something, why don't you fear God? Because after all, you're going to stand before him <laughs> at the end of it all, right? Not another person. And you're going to give an account for how you used what he gave you. Moses' next excuse was, I have never been, Lord. If you keep reading, he's just like, yeah, that's not me. I have not. I, like these things that you think I can do, that I have not. And that speaks to the feeling of inadequacy, okay? So Moses is saying, you're asking me to do something that I've never done before, that I've never been. I, I'm not even capable of doing. And I want somebody under the sound of my voice to know that God specializes in that. I mean, Moses proved that. This church proves that. Miracle after miracle after miracle that God has gotten us to a place that we shouldn't be. It's just the grace of God. Why? Because God specializes in that. In calling you to something you've never done, And I believe it's because I believe he does it that way so that you won't feel totally confident. What's wrong with feeling totally confident? Well, most of us, when we feel totally confident, we rely on the flesh. We don't rely on the spirit. Now, let things start, let things start getting a little a little shaky. I mean, think about that winter storm we just went through. There was a whole lot of calling on the name of the Lord. 
right? Um, <laughs> because we needed the Lord to help us. Um, if we are confident, usually we can rely. We think, we, we can't, we never can, but we fail to take advantage of relying on the strength of God. And, and here's, here's what I know. God is always, when, when he calls you, he's always going to require some leap of faith. You see, right now the Sanctuary Church is entering an amazing new season. And I thank God for that. Is anybody else grateful for what God is doing at the Sanctuary Church? I am grateful for that. And to be honest, if I can be honest, if I can be transparent, it can, feel, it can really feel a little overwhelming for us at times. I know what it's like to feel like, Lord, did you choose the right people here. <laughs> I, I, I feel a little inadequate for the job. I don't know if you chose the right person, but I have to trust God and he's never failed me yet. And he won't start now. God said, I certainly will be with you. And the beautiful thing is when we are stretched beyond our talents and abilities, we're going to be able to go to God in prayer. We're going to humble ourselves and that will keep us dependent on him. Does anybody know that to be true? Amen. Now, you would think that Moses had kind of exhausted all of his reasons, all of his excuses, but he's got, he, he saved the best for last. Finally, you know, God has, God has not suggested, he has not consulted with Moses to ask his opinion. He has commanded him what to do. And Moses responds, use someone else. And I think this speaks to just utter reluctance to step out. I mean, it also speaks to disobedience too, right? But <laughs> this utter sense of reluctance leads us to disobedience. You see, when none of Moses' other excuses work, he got desperate. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He got desperate. He just flat out refused the Lord's command. And God did not appreciate that too well. If you read on, the Bible tells us that the anger of the Lord was kindled or stirred up against Moses. Um, he, you know, you might believe what I'm saying tonight, but still might not feel ready to act on that. But I want to encourage you to step out in faith because you don't, be the, you don't want to be the one making the Lord mad <laughs> that he's entrusted these incredible gifts to you and you just tried to, you know, hide them under a bushel. I just hold on to them until you got to a point that you were ready, that you felt like you were ready and you could do what God was calling you to do. No, no, my friends, life will never fully matter. You will never fully be satisfied until you are making a difference. And that is the truth. And here's what I want you to know about making a difference at the Sanctuary Church. God has placed you here. God has placed you here at this church for this moment. And I'll tell you this, if the church did not need you, God could have led you somewhere else. That's true. If this church, if this local congregation did not need you, if this was not a place for you to serve and to be involved and to lead and to grow and to influence, God would have led you somewhere else. But you are here and you are gifted by God. So please, please don't drag your feet waiting for somebody else to be used, waiting for God to choose somebody else that you think is more qualified. You know, I, I love this. We, we can see, I, I love the full range of emotions that we see. God got mad at Moses. Scripture tells us that. 
But even though he was mad, God was still willing to meet Moses at his point of doubt and strengthen his faith and give him the courage and the support that he needed. You see, while Moses was busy making excuses, his brother Aaron was already on his way to meet him. I mean, Moses was giving all the reasons why he couldn't, and here comes the cavalry on his way (laughs) to save the day. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. You are not alone. God will certainly be with you. And I want you to know here at the Sanctuary Church, you are surrounded by loving people who will support you. When you join a team, when you step up, when you become part of something, there are team leaders, there are other individuals that are serving, that are going to be right there to help you, to equip you. And not just while you're here serving, but while you're doing life. When you get beyond these four walls, you've got a team. You've become a family. We are a family. We are the body of Christ, and we are here to support one another. And what you'll find is you'll become confident in what you're doing. You'll figure that out. You'll feel good about it. Just like, just like it happened with Moses and Aaron. He didn't need to rely on Aaron as much. And then what's going to happen is God's going to call you to another new thing. And then you're going to be standing there and your knees are going to be knocking again and thinking, oh, Lord, I don't know. But this time you got a testimony. This time you have a track record. This time you got some memorial stones and you see God did it. He can do it again. And you're going to, because, because that's what the walk with God is like. It's stretching and growing and stretching and growing. And it's what's your next step. Okay, great. Now what's your new next step, right? Because once you find Jesus, your whole life is about making a difference, for Jesus. I want you to remember your purpose. Your purpose while you're here on earth is to serve God by serving others. My purpose is to serve God by serving others. And whatever is standing in your way right now, I'm just asking you by faith, why don't you step beyond that? By faith, why don't you say, no more, no more will I be bound by people's opinions, no more will I be bound by my fears, by my insecurities, by my excuses, but I'm going to step out in faith because there is a leader in me, there is a leader in you, there is influence in you. I wonder if we can give God thanks for that right now. There is influence in you. You know, we've said this throughout this series, God wants something for you not from you. And so here's, here's how we're going to make this applicable to us before we go home. I'm going to share some qualities that every one of us can possess, regardless of talent level, it doesn't matter. But these qualities will help us walk in that blessed life that God has designed for each one of us. The first one is, of course, the most basic. Number one is to love God. Love God. When you truly love God, then it naturally flows out of your life. It makes you effective in service for him. And when God becomes your biggest priority, you're going to spend time with him. And people are going to know that you spent time with him. You're going to walk in a room, and your very presence in a room is going to change the atmosphere and the spirit. And God is going to work in people's in people's lives and on people's behalf because you walked into the room and you brought some hope and some joy. And so here's, here's how we do that. Here's how we love God. If you want to know how we love God, number one, we've got to develop a closeness with him. 
That means set times of prayer. That means studying his word. That means times of fasting. That means dedicating our lives. So we develop a closeness with him, and then we develop our character. Because we love God. See, see, we were talking about what can disqualify us, what, what can't. You know, you know how you, you, you get beyond that? You live an overcoming life. When you live a life of character, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you live a life of character, you know that you're doing your best, and you experience the grace of God. And that means, as the psalmist David said in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we ask God to point out those areas in our lives that offend him, that grieve his spirit, so those character flaws can be fixed and the spirit can flow through us unhindered. We know that everybody can love God, and we also know that number two, everybody can love people. Everybody can love people. It's the second most important commandment is loving people. Folks, we are in the people business, okay? Why don't you say that? I'm in the people business, We're in the people business. Now, some of you, I know you're listening, you're saying, of course, the church is in the people business. I mean, the church is. But but no, yes, the church is, of course, but I mean, all Christians are. Like, if you don't think as a Christian that you're in the people business, then then there's something that, like, there's some disconnect. Like, there's something in Scripture that you, you, you just, you haven't, you haven't grasped. <laughs> There's something about the body of Christ that you haven't understood yet. But we are in the people business. And, and here's just kind of a, a thing with that. If we're in the people business, it would really help if we're good at loving people. I mean, that would help, right? Like if, if we could be kind to people. That might sound simple, but basic kindness goes a long way way. Being a humble person who makes other people feel good about themselves, someone who's an encourager, someone who lifts people up. Folks, that's the best way to endear people to you. And that's the way to have influence. And that's the way to use your influence for the good of someone for eternity. If you want to truly live out God's love by loving others, then you need to be a servant. You need to be a servant. You see, we find out what people need and we serve others. Do you know what a servant does? A servant finds a need and he fills it. A servant finds a heart and she heals it. That's what servants do. So so you can have a servant's heart and then you can be a team player. This is how we love people. We have the attitude of we over me. We is greater than me. You see, we're working together to fulfill God's plan, so we must use our gifts and not focus on myself, not focus on me, not focus on what I like to do most, but focus on what the kingdom of God needs the most and use my gifts for the good of everybody, okay? So we love God, we love people, and we pursue excellence, We pursue excellence. We want to live our lives with a level of quality that honors God. I'm telling you, folks, I'm telling you how to use your influence for the kingdom of God, and that is by pursuing excellence in work, in church. It's the same thing. You know, if you do something poorly on the job, somebody's going to notice. Now, they may not notice all the good that you do, but they're going to notice (laughs) the things that you do poorly 
That's unfortunate. That's just the way life is. That's just the way humans are, right? Um, And and the truth of that is in the church, when we do something um, negative, (laughs) it reflects poorly on God. And it reflects poorly. um, it, It can create a barrier to someone who's trying to come to the Lord. Titus 2.10 says that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Wow. Whatever you do, whatever you put your hands to, do it in a way that will make knowing God and living for Him and being in church attractive. Now, some of you are saying, well, see, that's why I'm not going to serve, because I can't do anything well. I'm just going to quit, so I don't, I'm just not even going to start, so I don't mess it up. Folks, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between perfection, that's unattainable, and the spirit of excellence, that is attainable. We're never going to be perfect. This isn't a perfect church, so if you, if you thought it was, I'll just go ahead and disappoint you now. It's not. I'm not. We just, we just aren't. I'm sorry. But the spirit of excellence is something that we can all strive for. And we do that by doing things well. We have the attitude, if I'm touching it, I'm going to give it my best. I give it my best on my job, so I'm going to give it my best for God. And I'm going to do things before I'm asked. I'm not just going to wait around and say, well, does anybody else see that piece of paper on the ground over there? Well, if Pastor Mel walks by now and he says to me, would you please pick up that piece? Then I will do it. I mean, because I kind of, I guess I have to, but... Uh, no, it, it is seeing a need and filling that need. And then do more than is expected. You know, there's, there's this concept that Jesus taught about going the second mile. The second mile, do more than is expected. Don't be that person who does the bare minimum. Listen, if my attitude is that's someone else's job, folks, that, I mean, that's the quickest way uh, to, to turn people off to just for disunity and all these sorts of things because it's full of pride. It's full of self. The Bible says that that's a stench in the nostrils of God. You know, um, <laughs> our very first Sunday in this building, if you were here, it was crazy. I mean, I, I don't have the time um, because, like, you want to go to sleep at some point tonight. I don't have the time to tell you how crazy that weekend was and all of that. And so I was running around kind of like with a chicken with no head and had a million things to do. And I happened to walk into one of our, our – um, to the ladies' restroom in the lobby. And to my shock, I saw that someone had left a huge mess huge. And, and it's our first service and it's like in 20 minutes and I, and I needed to do 20,000 other things. And so I said, okay. So I really quick, I ran and I got um, the cleaning, <laughs> uh, the, the cleaner and scrub brush and everything. And I just went, and I just cleaned it up and I just took care of everything and just, and then just kind of went on my way. I didn't stop and say, it's not my job somebody else. I didn't go hunt someone else down. I just did it. And, um, I, I didn't, I didn't make myself a martyr because, oh, I mean, I don't even think I told anybody I'm telling you now. So maybe I shouldn't, I don't know if I should be telling you now, but I just did it because it needed to be done. Right. And my point is that the spirit of the, the spirit of excellence says, this is my church. Somebody say that with me. This is my church. The spirit of excellence is about ownership. It's my privilege to be a team player who goes the second mile without being asked to make sure I'm doing 
everything I can to represent God in a way that he receives the glory. And the reason I do that is in the hope that people's lives will be changed for eternity. Why don't you give them a hand of praise with me right now? Why don't you give them a hand of praise right now? Thank you, God, for that. So how do I lead and influence? I love God. I love people. I do all things with excellence, and I choose joy. I choose joy. You see, our attitude It's so very important. A good attitude exponentially multiplies the effectiveness of everything you do. Having a good attitude can get you further along the road to being a good leader or influencer or just about anything else you're going to do. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? When people walk through the doors of that church, of this church, when they walk through those doors of this church, when people tune in online, and that's, that's how most people first come to church now is online, and what we want them to experience is joy. We want them to know that, hey, these people look like they're happy to be here. These people look like they're experiencing joy. You see, it's so attractive to come into a place that is upbeat, that's positive, that is joyful. That, and that spirit, that only happens when we are intentional. So be enjoyable. That's one of the best things that, that's one of the best blessings that you can give your church. Be enjoyable and be positive. We're all going to face problems. We're all going to face dilemmas. And the challenge with that is we need to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We need to experience his goodness. We don't deny the problems, but we're not going to be those people that just sit around and look for problems and don't do anything to resolve them. Don't be the person who complains. Be the person who's a problem solver. Because you know what? Being positive is so attractive. It really is. I wonder right now in this place, why don't you just close your eyes right wherever you are. Why don't you just close your eyes and raise your hands to the Lord. He is here. His goodness, his mercy, his grace are in the house right now. I wonder if you could just worship him right now. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you right now. We surrender our lives to you right now, God. We're so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful for your mercy. We are so grateful for your love. Lord, right now, I speak against every spirit of fear. I speak against every spirit of doubt. The blood of Jesus binds and expels every spirit of inadequacy, every lie of the devil that says that God can't use you that you have disqualified yourself for his service. And I speak hope and healing and peace and goodness and mercy over every child of God right now. You are created in God's image for greatness. He has called you to accomplish great and mighty things in him. And so we speak that over you right now. We speak that peace, that goodness, that mercy. Lord, we are committed to loving you. We are committed to living out our love for you by loving others. We are committed to pursuing a spirit of excellence. And this day, God, we choose joy. We choose joy. I pray your abundant blessings be upon every person in this room, every person watching online right now. 
Lord, we trust you. We depend on you. Our hope, our trust, our peace, it's all found in you. We will give you the praise. Lord, forgive us every time that we chose not to serve faithfully. Forgive us every time that we didn't think that we had what it takes. Forgive us every time that we thought the task was beneath us. And Lord, restore a clean, pure heart within us. We choose a spirit of excellence. We choose a spirit of love. We choose the spirit of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we give him a great big hand of praise right now? Amen. 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 Now, if you stayed throughout this whole sermon, I think that means you probably really want God to use you. I think that means you probably really want God to do a work in your heart. And so uh, the Spirit of the Lord is moving. You know, maybe, maybe God is dealing with you and you're like, you know, hey, I need to get back involved. You may be someone who, who can't even come here on campus right now because of some health concerns, and, and we understand that. We support that. But we can even find ways for you to serve from your house. <laughs> so why don't you, if, if God dealt with you tonight and you want to find more ways to get plugged in, to get connected, to use your talents, to use your gifts, to use your leadership, to use your influence, why don't you fill out a Connect card? Why don't you do that right now? And let us know what ways that, that you're interested in getting plugged in and, and serving. And we will be happy. We will be thrilled to help facilitate that path, to facilitate that journey for you. And just before we leave, I want to share two important dates with you. Palm Sunday is coming up March 28th, and we are so excited to have Dr. David K. Bernard here with us ministering that Sunday. You are going to want to invite your friends and your family. You won't want to miss that day. What a blessing. And then the very next Sunday, April 4th, is Easter. It's our favorite service of the year. And we have two services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. here in person. So please join us for that. Invite your friends. Please be here for that. We can't wait to see you. We're praying for you. We're believing God's very best for you. We love you very much. God bless you.